Thanks for tuning in to Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. I'm talking to Shalini Gupta today. She has two children, Advika and Gayatri, and Gayatri is blessed with Down syndrome. Shalini believes that raising a specially abled child can be a joyous journey. She works extensively in the intellectual disability space, promoting social entrepreneurship and social inclusion at India's leading forums. What we will attempt to do today is to go to the travails behind the journey and also try to look at the triumphs which this journey has resulted into. Her journey can bring a lot of insight for people who are facing or may face such situations, but also for many of us who don't have any of these situations to deal with and yet may feel gloomy with even trivia. I would like to mention that academically, Shalini is a product of Loreto Convent. She has done masters in economics from University of Lucknow and is also a doctorate in management from IIM Ahmedabad. So leadership and strategy have been her play field. Shalini, welcome so much to talk to me today on Small Big Wins. These kind of situations are uh, very tough. Um, from thinking about why me, from having questions about faith, uh, from maybe even for certain individuals, I don't know about you, but for certain individuals, what one has dreamt about kind of collapsing. There are so many different kind of situations which are happening when you, when you deal with such a, such a situation. There are fears, there are abysmal loaves, and... Uh, I think a good starting point would be that how have you been able to manage these fears? They may not have come only once, but time and again. And how have you put yourself back on the ladder again and again? <laughs> okay, very interesting. Um, lovely, lovely to be here this morning. And I really hope that I am able to make a difference in um, at least one life as they hear through this story. Um, as you pointed out that the intellectual accomplishments made me a strategic planner. So it was important in my everyday life too. And I was one of those who had planned almost about everything from, um, from my marriage to my first child. Everything was planned to the T. And um, I, was, I was truly honored to be blessed with Advika as the older child. And, uh, and then um, planned, all very, very strategically planned to have my second child because Advika needed a sibling. And um, we prayed and prayed and prayed together and we were blessed with a Gayatri. Um, that is when all my planning flew out of the window because I was working with a lovely, lovely, lovely organization called Ashoka Innovators for the Public, an organization that really sowed the seed of social entrepreneurship in me. 
they are the ones who coined the word social entrepreneurship across oh. the world. And Bill Drayton is someone I look up to even today. And I haven't met him for the last 20, 21 years. And yet I can close my eyes and I find a Bill Drayton in my energy presence. He's, he's an amazing individual. And um, I, I, I was working with them for about two, two and a half years when I had this beautifully planned pregnancy and worked till the 14th of October of that year. And 16th of October, wrapped up my work. And I said to everyone, look, my maternity leave is for three months, but you'll find me back in two. And they said, oh, two months? Are you sure you won't be back for the first month? That was the way people were fooling around at the McKinsey uh, office in Delhi. And uh, I go in and then I, after my delivery, I wasn't even taking my calls because right there on the delivery table, I was told that Gayatri was blessed with Down syndrome. And uh, that is when things started hitting. And it's, it's like a, a spiral, which is completely self-created. Um, you start living in fears. You start living with the fact that your plans went haywire. So why me? What did I do wrong? I'm a law-abiding, honest person. Um, integrity was my second name. Then why should this happen to me? And I start thinking about, oh, that day I was in the market. I screamed at that sabziwala. I shouted at so-and-so. I was driving and I, you know, and you just keep going into that cycle. And you, you are, the why me question bothers you. And then comes in the guilt where you have the seven-year-old who's holding on to this little baby sister saying, this is my girl, this is my girl. And you're like, babes, do you really want this as your girl? The whole world is telling you this is not worth your time and effort. Let it be. My little one was blessed with a whole lot of medical conditions. And I would look up to the Almighty and say, you know, you wanted to give her trisomy 21? I accept. But then why all the other conditions? And this is the world where there's no Google. There's, there's only books that you can read. And every time I'd pick up a book to read, my eyes would blur because I was like, how can this be happening? Why would I be lumped with physiotherapy, speech therapy, language therapy, occupational therapy for the rest of my life? Why me? And the cycle goes on and on and on. It's endless. And the only way to get out of it is go to counselors who are also trying to tell you or specialists in the genetics field who are constantly telling you it is what it is. So grow up, accept it. And you're like, why should I grow up? And then you start receiving indications from the environment, from the universe. And one of the first ones I received was this little poem. And I will share that whole poem with you one day. It's about how you board a flight and you want to go to Holland and you want to see the lovely, lovely tulips. And that's all you want to do. Take pictures, silsila style, you know, running between the tulip gardens. 
And then suddenly, you the flight lands, and they tell you, "Well, we've reached Venice." And you're like, "I don't want to be near water. I don't want to be sitting in those damn gondolas. I didn't sign up for this. I just want to be in Holland next to the tulips." And you forget to realize that Venice is beautiful. That there are people who want to go to Venice because it is so beautiful. You forget that there are people in the world who adopt a child with Down syndrome because they bring you so much joy. You don't know. You're not aware. You just know you plan to be in Holland. And then why me? I don't want to be there. I didn't sign up for this. And there is anger, and there is depression, and there's frustration because everything you plan for, your entire career ahead of you. Your entire beautiful life with two daughters growing up together, much like the Frozen Sisters, is all dashed. I carried on, carried on working with Gayatri because for me it was very important that every time someone said, "Oh, she will never be able to do this," something inside me said, "How dare you? You're talking about my child, man. What business do you have to say? Oh, she'll walk when she's four years old. No ways." She is going to walk when my older one did, which is between eleven and twelve months. She will walk, and Gayatri did walk. And then someone had said, "Oh, she probably just go to nursery school. No more. You know, they their cognitive development is delayed. Only this much will happen." I said, "Balls. She will study in an inclusive school, and with God's grace, she did. She studied in a mainstream inclusive school." she will not talk by the sage she talked by that age she will not smile at you before so many months she smiled at me in the first two months so stuff like that uh, required a lot of medical intervention all the medical interventions that she, that she required just falling into place we found the best and the leading eye surgeon to operate on her eyes we found the leading ent person who who worked on her ears i mean the kind of miracles that continued to happen around in our lives made me really sit back and say there is something else that's happening that i am not getting a grip on and um simultaneously what had also happened because the medical sciences had pushed me in one side and said oh there's no treatment for down syndrome you know the first thing was oh i can get it treated stem cell therapy this this medicine this pill that that exercise will make down syndrome go away and medical science said no it will not go away and that's when pushed against the wall and i'm being honest over here it was only when i was pushed against the wall that i turned to the spiritual side of my existence and um you know like when you start counting your blessings my first blessing i count upon is my older daughter adhika and my second blessing is my husband rock solid through all this time he's an engineer an engineer mba the most logical person in the world emotions mean nothing to him he and gayatri is just all of Two and a half months old when I hear about this alternative science called pranic healing. 
I am not allowed to go out and meet people because Gayatri had a heart condition and she had to be really protected and not exposed to the outside world. And so um, I hear about this alternative practice and I send my husband. I had been having a very severe backache since my delivery and there was no time to pay attention to my physical body. So he said, look, they just taught me how to heal backache. Let me try on it. Practice to karni, I have to go tomorrow. So I said, okay. I sat down. He did his voodoo on me. And believe you me, 15 minutes later, when his voodoo session ended, I stood up and I moved and I twisted and there's no pain. I was back there again the next day, finished the course, course after course, course after course. He did all the courses. As soon as I got permission, I did all the courses. We started healing Gayatri. And we started seeing miracles happen in our life. And miracles to the extent of holes in her heart were being healed. They were being sealed. She didn't need a heart surgery. So if I start talking about the kind of miracles I have seen happen, even when we were questioning the very possibility of this completely non-scientific practice, these miracles continued to happen in our life. So this whole concept of if you test, you will be pushed back. The universe gave us time to accept and acknowledge that there was something more out there in store for us. That it was not just the path we knew about in our past life. That was what we had to traverse on today. That there were alternatives. And that is the first time in my first 10 meditations, did I realize that I was such an egoistical individual to have felt guilty. I had no business to feel guilty. And through the two years of guilt and depression that I was undergoing, it was all coming out on Advita because I just couldn't sit in the same room and match my eye to her eyes. I was avoiding her because I was like, I'm so sorry, Bache. This is not what you wanted. And she has very little understanding of what's happening. She can't figure out why mom's constantly crying and why mom's constantly locked up in the room with Gayatri. And, and I'm feeling guilty. And suddenly, my guru tells me, who the hell do you think you are? You think you have control over what's happening or what has happened? A, why not you? Who else could have done justice to this role of a special mom? You're educated. You have an exposure to social entrepreneurship. You know how to prove the world wrong. Why not you? Bravo. And, and guilty? What business do you have to feel guilty? It's her journey. It's Advika's journey. Let her traverse the journey. Let her travel and make out for herself if it is such a bad journey after all. And I am awakening to this thought of this alternative existing in life. And I'm seeing Gayatri getting every therapy that she needed to move forward in life, much like a neurotypical child. I'm here to tell you that, you know, we believe we know. Mm -hmm. We believe we have life 
cracked up and we have we've cracked it and we have all the answers we we may not know how far from the truth we are adhika's grown up she's 27 years old now into one of the most compassionate and empathetic individuals i have met in my life and i'm not saying this because she's my daughter you read so much about leadership on google today and they say that there are a lot of leadership skills that you can pick up as you go along but the one skill that cannot be trained or learned is empathy and compassion you either have it or you don't have it you can try and make the others believe that you're empathetic mm-hmm. but deep down unless and until you feel it in every cell of your body you don't have it and a true leader in this generation is one who along with the intellect along with all the other skills and capabilities and thinking and attitude you need the one important thing is compassion and empathy and she is blessed in oodles with it she walks into a room and you know that here's this this empathetic individual you stumble you fall the first one to reach out will be atika and gayatri lives a life of gratitude she i think the first phrase she put together two words that she put together were thank you Mm-hmm. everything you do for her she's she wants a spoon you pick it up and give it to her thank you mm-hmm. you she's got a stray hair somewhere and you put it up thank you she's looking for her water bottle you pass it thank you life can come together if you just understand that the universe is there to give you just have to ask and the universe gives and i properly asked the right questions of the universe when i did 20 years back and it gifted me what it gifted me and and after so many years i'm expressing all my gratitude to the universe because that's all life is about it's about forgiveness and gratitude tell me you always had the conviction that uh, she will do it why she will not be able to do it and at the same time there were these miracles or things coming from the universe which supported this so what was first the conviction or the support from the universe very 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 smart question so here's my dad is a cop so i grew up being told that there is no place for fear in life he raised me to feel i was more powerful than my younger brother and physically i was i could like box his ears i was constantly getting into fist fights with his friends all younger to me calling me didi some of them would call me didi and get like something wrong and i'm slamming them so i grew up being told that there was no way i could accept defeat in life and now suddenly with gayatri in my life people were telling me you're sunk that there's nothing to look forward to your life and her life will be like a cabbage now these are words and quoting of specialists who said your life will be that of a cabbage every year you'll peel off one layer of the cabbage you will continue to be a cabbage she will continue to be that cabbage in your life see that to a mom man i mean you know like i say in hindi kitna dabao ge yaar kabhi to wo phatega na 
but my capacity to accept that negativity was a little less so the moment someone started telling me this is not going to work that innate desire to prove them wrong started coming up and um this is this constant feeling of i know myself better and my child better than you so this this period of struggle of can i do it can't i do it was quickly overtaken up with i can do it initially the can do it was fighting for her life for two years i was fighting for her life i just wanted my daughter alive and in that fight for her life i found such immense joy and pleasure in every little thing that gayatri was doing whether it was the first time she rolled whether it was the first time she propped herself up whether it was the first time she said da da whether it was the first time she she maintained eye contact with me for more than 30 seconds whether it was the first time her first step her first time she was able to lift a spoon up and eat with her on her own the first time she was able to sip fluid out of a straw she had to be trained in bloody everything but she was so willing to learn that every time one milestone was achieved i was like yes if she can do this she can do the next one also then she can do the next one also and i had a family which just did not let me give up my brother and his wife my parents my in-laws were standing the rock solid now you tell me if there are people who express confidence in what you can do you do it not for yourself but more because you can't let them down they have expressed confidence in you being able to change something then you have to live up to their expectations from you so it became a cycle like that where the period of kya karu what do i do how will i ever tackle this was very quickly overtaken by i can do this why not and i had in the first less than a month in the first few weeks of her existence a senior parent who was blessed with a daughter with down syndrome visit me she heard about me i called her up and i was just crying and she was at my doorstep the next day flying in all the way from chennai to gurgaon to just spend a few hours with me so i had individuals like that who who like you can do it so while i was exploring the field for answers i was also feeling like i could do it and the moment i was able to conquer the the self doubt gaiti started responding and she's showing results and there are people who are visiting my house and saying oh did you adopt another child because she started changing so as a two and a half year old we had a very different child from the two year old we had and so we we were traveling abroad we were getting therapy from the best resource pool of the world they were training me i was coming back i was doing it on gayatri once the milestones were achieved we would take her back again to the us or europe 
get the next round of inputs, come back, work with her. And then every time a friend would drop by and say, oh my God, look at the way Gayatri is doing this or doing that. There were other parents who would come by and say, Charlie, oh, my kid can't do this. What will I do? The second time someone said this to me and sat in front of me with tears rolling down her cheeks, I said, boss, this is not possible. Why don't you go to the U.S. for this, this therapist? And she said, I can't. I don't have the wherewithals to do it. I don't find myself competent to just fly halfway around the world with my special needs child. And I said, okay, I'm sitting free. It was two and a half years since I'd done nothing professionally. And that's when I started this journey of helping empower other parents. So this lovely organization based in Utah in the U.S. called the National Association for Child Development, they had been training Gayatri. And I just proposed to them, I said, why don't you come into India and set up an office in India? And said, office in India means what? And I said, yeah, why not? And I sent them my resume and I said, this is my background, pro bono. I will not charge a penny from you. Come and establish yourself in India. And this is where the universe and the miracles come in, that the founder president of the organization, Bob Doman, he said, why not? And he came to India a year later and we set up the office. It still exists in India and we still evaluate individuals with special needs and work on a program to help them reach their maximum potential. And life goes on. <laughs> Conquest of self-doubt. Yes, yes. It's yes. I always wonder, you know, how many things in life come together when you look at it, really. Something which your father taught you, conviction, pranic healing, NACD, so many things coming together to help make this crisis uh, into an opportunity. Yes, yes. And now when I look back at those years, I realized that the first step actually in all this was what what my spiritual practices taught me was instead of going on seeking for answers outside, look within the self-awareness of what you already know and you already have is actually the stepping stone to be able to go anywhere. You need to fly. You need to be aware of who you are. And once your actions are grounded in that self-awareness, you will not falter. Because then you know what your limitations are, what your belief systems are that will help you take that flight or you need to work on those beliefs so that you can then take the flight. So soon as that, that, that self-awareness bit is just so critical in all our lives that the moment we can tackle that and crack that, I think we are set to handle anything in life. I remember reading this. I think it was from Swami Chinmayananda. And, and he, he said that the only adoration you can have for the Almighty is to become him. And, and this, this journey of going inwards and uh, becoming him or becoming her, uh, whatever the case is, I think this, is, uh, this came pretty early in your life. And uh, 
not early enough. <laughs> I I read Jiddu Krishnamurti and he said, and the first thing, you know, I'm, I opened the book and the first quote on that, on top of that was, you will see outside what is within. True. And I, what? And um, I read this book at age, or I read more about him at age 37. I hmm. wish I had read him when I was seven. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know how you, you work with children, you work in, in that space. So don't you think that somewhere all this should be in some form a basic part of our education? See, so I, I tried doing that, tried making these changes in the education system. And very early on over there, I realized that if, that by trying to do this, I'm shifting the burden of this onto a system which may or may not comply with what is really required for the child. As a parent, am I responsible for some stuff? Can I leave the emotional development of my child in the hands of a system with complete strangers who may have their own baggage that they are carrying? If the schooling system is meant for intellectual and social development of the child, let's put a full stop there. And I'll tell you why I was able to reach this conclusion, because exactly like you, I came out of this very, very strict system run by nuns and God bless them because I am who I am only because of the disciplined way in which they raised us. But what? And then finally leading up to IMA, competition, 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 rat race, rat race, rat race, which was a part and parcel of my life from the word go. I didn't want to raise Advika in that environment. I just didn't. And luckily, my husband was the first. He'd also been through the same cycle, Goon School, Bitspilani, I'm Ahmedabad. Like, enough. We've gone through this torture. We don't want our child to go through this. And we had never discussed this with Advika. But when she was three, three and a half years old, when we were choosing schools, she had an admission to a typical mainstream school and an admission into a free progress. It's a radically free progress school. And as a three and a half year old, she put her foot down and said, I don't want to go to that school. I will go to this school. Free progress school, which said they will work on the intellectual, the mental, the social, the emotional and the spiritual growth of the child. Did I say physical anywhere? Physical. So they said that for us, education is the integral education of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. Mm-hmm. And they said that is what we will work on. So unless and until you're clear about wanting that for your child, don't join the school. Even before we could become clear, Radhika was like, there is no other school I'm studying in but this one. And on hindsight, we look back and we say, we needed to do our share in the spiritual and emotional development of our child rather than leave it on a system. The system will do what it will do. But as parents, we need to hold on to these key things in life very, very dearly and very, very closely. Because at the end of the day, the schooling system is a system where the grades become relevant, where your progress in your peer group becomes relevant. 
and these things cannot be tested or evaluated. The moment that doesn't happen, the attention of the child to those issues becomes a little diminished. Yes, there are a few who will draw inputs from there, but I still think this education system is already doing what it's trying to do. If they can include the neurodiversity in their curriculum, that much is good enough for them. Baki, leave it to the parents also, yeah. <laughs> You've created souls in this life. We've allowed these souls to choose us. Let's do something. <laughs> Indeed, but the parents are also coming from the same education system. <laughs> so, but yes. So, but why don't you do a little bit to explain us on the neurodiversity, Down syndrome, Cairo, 21? Because, because you know, I think there is a misconception. And, and um, is Down syndrome a condition? Is it a neurodiversity? How do you, how do you see it? So... Just like any space that is developing, terminologies keep evolving. Mm -hmm. There are parents like me who object to being a parent of an abnormal child. You don't understand what she is. What business do you have to call her abnormal? I'm standing beside and calling you abnormal. And these were questions that our young adults were also raising. We have a lot of self-advocates who will say, don't stare at me. Don't stare at me because I'm different. I'm just different. So from there came the terminology neurodiversity because you and me on the same scale of normalcy are different. Neurologically, you may be wired different. You might react to a certain stimulus in a different way and I will differently. So when there are differences between us, there are differences between us and this section of population, which is diverse neurologically. Right. right now, science is pointing out that their neurological wiring is different, which is why their external behavior is different. If Gayatri is not talking clearly, that's not because she doesn't want to talk clearly, but because there is an issue with the way the nerves connect onto that mass of muscle called the tongue. So if the nerves are not sending her the input in the right way, her speech will be slurred. So you may not be able to understand what she's saying, but the moment you go, sorry, guys, she'll be like, Chodo, you don't want to understand me. Why should I talk? Mm. Okay. You're the one who's interested in talking to me. So, what we are trying to do is to ensure that both parties meet on an even platform. We are saying this, you and me are neurotypical mm. because our neurological condition is wired in the typical way we understand right now. Mm. And this section of all our intellectual challenges are the neurodiverse. Mm. It's a new terminology just coming up. But in that specifically, what Gayatri has is a condition called trisomy 21, loosely called Down syndrome. Down syndrome was the name given because of the doctor who identified this condition. So he You said somewhere in between about your depression, if I may ask you, and if you would speak about that. What did you go through? How did you come out of it? And what would you like to tell people who 
maybe on the advent of getting depressed because of something uh so what happened in my case was that the verdict and i call it a verdict because it's done very very callously by the medical practitioners the verdict is given to you that your child has a genetic condition mm-hmm. and that she will always be like this mm-hmm. be like this meaning the muscle tone will be like this speech won't happen education won't happen all that nonsense so i went into depression because i was aware that i was 35 years of age now that is the age where your potential to be blessed with a trisomy 21 increases the chances to have a child with down syndrome increase so i had all the tests done all of them all of them came out negative oh or trisomy 21 and mm-hmm. here is where i thank the universe every morning when i wake up thank you god for turning out all the tests into negative because had they been positive god forbid i would have taken the wrong steps in life and so initially when the verdict comes you're angry right i told you i knew i had the potential to you told me through all your medical testing that that wasn't going to happen then how did it happen who's accountable who's responsible there's no one you know in the corporate world we are constantly fixing accountabilities and responsibilities and i was a management consultant so the first thing i would do enter a client situation was okay if something goes wrong on this front what who's the one who's at will hang where will the news go and most organizations are clueless so that's all one little thing we do and we get our fat fees but in life who is actually accountable and responsible for these kind of issues issues that happen with you there's no one who's accountable you can't take a doctor to court at all and why i figured much later was that every medical test that is conducted for trisomy 21 has a 2% margin of error mm-hmm. which means that there will be 2% typical children in the fetus who will be identified as downs and there in that 2% window there could be a down syndrome child who could be indicated as neurotypical so if the medical test in itself can be with a 2% margin of error then who's a doctor i'm just interpreting the results so you can't take anyone to court you can't take that anger and frustration out so it dwells inside so for me the things that worked were my children were my spiritual practices where i i started recognizing that um i wasn't doing justice to the life i had been given and if i truly believe that gayatri's life is precious then mm. i need to first believe that my life is precious and if my life is precious then i can't let it just go away because of hormonal conditions and depressive tendencies and that no one else is impacted now i mean you're the only one who suffers and 
the rest of the world just questions and say, oh, this is a facade she has over her. You know, she's happy when she's in front of others. Otherwise, see, she's crying. But, you know, would you spend that 30 seconds trying to figure out? And I can catch symptoms of a depressive person only because I've gone through the condition myself. If I hadn't, I would have also been Bindas. But so hence, I, I don't blame the people who don't know what to do. But so here's the message to anyone who's going through that condition, whether, whether as a special mom, whether as an individual, a 20-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 50-year-old, life will throw challenges at you. It will. That's the purpose, man. Purpose of life is to be challenged because unless and until you're challenged, you don't put your best foot forward. So if you accept that there will be challenges, all you need to do, the first step anyone with depression needs to take is that first step. That first step of that belief that I will overcome this, that I can smile and feel the smile go inside. That when someone looks at me smiling, they'll say, you're smiling with your heart and it's showing in your eyes. The moment you can take that step, you know your journey out of depression is, has started. But till the time you can't get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am enough. I do not need anyone to tell me what to do, where to go, how to do it. I am enough. I have everything inside me. I have now recognized that I am enough. The moment you can do that, I give you in writing 100% of cases I have dealt with, friends, young adults who have been depressive, have started coming out of it through this understanding of I am enough. And if this is not coming from inside you, get the outside world to do it for you. That is what my little social venture does. Now you and I can cognitively understand what it means to stand in front of the mirror and say, I am enough. All right, and fight on. What about my young adults who do not have the intellectual capabilities to maybe understand what I'm communicating? Mm. They are dealing with their heart. They are responding with their heart. Every action is covered with the feeling that's coming from deep inside their heart. Hence, setting up the art sanctuary where all one tried to do was my young adults have an artistic talent in them. All of us have. Their artistic talent comes straight from the heart. You know, there are no paddings. You want this color, so I will use that color. They will not be able to do it because you want it done. They will do it only when they realize it needs to be done. Right? So if there is art that they're producing straight from their heart, then all I need to help them come out of their depression is say, wow, the world is looking at your art. So if I create platforms where their art has been showcased, when I create platforms where they can sing and dance, then what happens is every morning they look at the website with their artwork on display over there and say, wow, 
So if I can, just one message, if I can send to all of them out there is never find, feel alone in your journey. If you find yourself alone, Google search, and you will find a group of people like you facing the same situations in life, make friends with them. The first thing I had done when I realized that I was capable of doing something was form a support group of like-minded parents, of parents who had disability in their lives. Mm. The first support group that we created. Another individual who went through the same situation in life. No one better than a person who has experienced it to tell you the way out. So find yourself a guru, find yourself a support group that can really tell you you're not alone in this journey. It's okay to, to feel the way you feel. It's all right. Even with that feeling, you can move forward. And as you start moving forward, the negativity starts getting left behind. Very difficult to take that first step to say, yes, I want to get off the bed and start walking. I want to leave this depressive condition behind. Intellectually, you know you want to leave the depressive condition behind. Indeed. But to really be able to do it, you need to give yourself that kick and you say, all right, if it's a responsibility that works for you, all right, my parents are looking out for me. What am I doing with them? My children are looking at me. I need to do it. So when you start doing it for someone else, gradually you start doing it for yourself. So man, whatever works, this life is beautiful. It's precious. So if you are low, reach out to people who have been there and done it and got over it. It really works. Um, what you just shared, and I'm, I'm adding on to this, uh, a, a bhajan, a song which I had heard, Kabir Sahab ka hai, aur wo bolte hai, ya ghat bhitar baag bagiche, ya hi mein sirjhan hara. The creator, the gardens, the fountains, everything is inside you. So you talk about befriending yourself. Yes. Are some of those pictures behind you part of the art sanctuary? No, no, these, this, these are my daughters. This is Gayatri. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's Gayatri and that's Advika, that one. Oh, all right. Okay. okay. We've got this big collage over here. I miss yes. her so much. So <laughs> I just put up her images and then she came into the house. She's living in the US and she came in and she said, Oh, that's so unfair. Where's Gayatri? I said, in her room. I didn't realize she was talking about a photograph. And she said, why is there no image of Gayatri? I said, no, but you know, I miss you. So I put you up next to my bed. And she said, that's not fair. So we had, we blew up some of Gayatri's images. <laughs> I've got these crazy daughters, yeah. Um, one more question. So, yeah. you know, you, your husband, education, high on education, logic, you said, was a big part of our lives. You work with corporates. Logic is a big part. Everything is driven by data and by numbers. And yet, you know, you saw in your life that there's something beyond this and these are defiable. But you were able to see that only when you were pushed up to the wall. Yes. So, so how should we, you know, now if you were to look at someone who's going through a similar situation, uh, how would you, how would you be, how would you convince her or him that 
there is this. I mean, one is, of course, your experience, but that is your experience. It's not the other person's yet. How does one kind of integrate this into life, learning from other people's experiences? Okay, so interesting. Interesting that you should ask. One, I have never found my education wasted because if I'm being able to do today what I'm doing, like you rightly said, be on a platform where you want to talk to me is because of my intellectual progress. If I can create an art sanctuary, if I can do all the multiple workshops I have done for the last 10, 15 years, going into various cities of the country alone, by myself, armed with knowledge, extempo, talking to parents, organized not one, but I know how many workshops. I could do it because I had the capabilities to do it. I had the skill set to do it. So always grateful for that skill set. But, and I'll take one step back. So the understanding that hit us when Dietri came into our life was that she will never be able to get that skill set. So how will she manage? Because my understanding of life is you manage only when you've studied enough and you have an ambition and you can reach that ambition. A child is living in the moment, no matter how old. Adhika will always be a 27-year-old who's, who's going to look ahead depending on what her 27 years of experience of life have taught her. As a parent, I have lived many, many decades more than her. So can I use that experience to guide her forward in her life? That's what we were able to do with Daitri, where um, she showed an inclination towards computers, towards the mobile phone. So she would take any mobile phone that existed anywhere in her proximity, pick it up and quickly find where the camera was and start clicking pictures. Give her an iPad and she could start taking pictures from her iPad or play Angry Birds, pinch and play. We are still struggling to figure out how to play Angry Birds. She's already cracked it. So we noticed some of these abilities in Gayatri, and then we started honing them. So we luckily moved from Bangalore to Delhi, from Delhi to Bangalore, and Bangalore being the digital capital, we were able to find institutions that taught her computers in a very, very slow-paced manner, starting from scratch, where she only knew how to handle an iPad. She was taught everything all the way to coding. So she learned coding and then coded her own website. All right. Okay? So this is a child who wasn't supposed to have the intellectual prowess to be able to do this. Now, she couldn't have sat down by herself and helped herself. She couldn't have sat down in self-help groups and done it for herself. You search for support groups, they don't exist. Who's stopping you from creating one? Create ones with the specifications you want. There were, there were very few support groups in the country. The ones that existed were so formal, you know, one umbrella of a trust and you have to do this membership fee, this, that and the other. When we set up Saath, he said the first condition is there's going to be no president, no secretary, no treasure, nothing. 
here is a logo it's been designed every member of the trust every member of saath has the right to use this logo wherever they want you are a member of a support group there's nothing legal about its existence but there is a strength in numbers the government will sit up and listen schools will sit up and listen when you say hey i can call a thousand friends from friends from delhi who sit and do dharna outside if you don't listen to me at least give me a hour to talk to you right so emotionally find yourself capable of being able to create change maybe you are in that situation because the universe has different plans for you so hey wake up and say i'm going to look for solutions if none exist i will create one for myself and the universe will support the more you ask the universe the more it will give you and that's proof enough that the universe is within you absolutely <laughs> everything is in there everything <laughs> everything just have to keep it um you know i'm certainly of the opinion that we should end this conversation but we should have a part two because there is a lot left which i have to still you know talk to you about but i want to end with this one question to you that what is spirituality for you it very very briefly spirituality is life yeah. i can't imagine a moment in my life when i don't feel a connect to a spiritual being and it's very different from being religious please don't get me wrong spirituality is life the fact that i'm alive means that i have a purpose in life that there is a reason why i'm alive and that reason is my connection with someone else out there and as long as that connection is alive i will be i will be able bodied i will be able to function and spirituality is only that feeling inside me that i'm taken care of constantly that there is no need to worry that there are no fears because you know to put it very simply you trust someone in your life with your life and you say no matter what this person will always get my back that person is probably your mom no matter what she will never have a wrong intention for you right now in the same way what spirituality means to me is having that faith in an energy that will always 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 be with me always take care of me yes, absolutely we would love to talk to you more on spirituality about your art sanctuary and some of the other questions which are left out for today but thank you so much shalini it has been a real real divine pleasure to speak with you, you. my thank you, thank you harsh for having me